0: I do want to, so if you have the U version in your phone, you can cr- call up this live event for City Point, all these notes. If you came in, you, you got an outline. And uh, on the outline, you know, we, we kind of did a re- rehearse of the first uh, two points that we've preached already. Number one of the purposes of the church is to host the presence of God and encounter him together. In Christ, he chose us before the world was made. He chose us in love to be his holy people, people who could stand before him without any fault. And that's such a powerful word right there. You know that's a miracle. It's a miracle of grace that we could stand before God without fault. And that we know that that's an imputed righteousness because none of us are perfect by any stretch. But when God sees us, he sees us through his son. And he imputes his son's righteousness to you. And, and, and you know, <laughs> Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Amen? Right. And so it says, and the world was made, and before the world was made, God declared, decided, this, here we go again. I broke my glasses this morning, and I have my spare pair on, which are like a year and a half Oh, oh. Okay, so I'm going to read it from this one. Before the world was made, God decided to make us his own children through Jesus Christ. No longer a slave. No longer a slave. God decided to make us his own children. God really takes care of his kids. He really loves his kids. Even when you misbehave, he still loves you. Even when the spirit of stupid comes on you, he still loves you. you. Moving right along, this is what God wanted and it pleased him to do it. This brings praise to God. What brings praise to God? When you let him father you. When you come out of that orphan spirit. You know, we all have lived under a certain influence, some more than others of an orphan spirit. Matt, you're no longer an orphan. The Holy Spirit says, I'm, Jesus said in the sending the Holy Spirit, I will not leave you orphans. I'm going to send you another comforter, another helper, a paraclete. And so he says, this is what God wanted, and it pleased him, and this brings praise to God because of his wonderful grace. None of us deserve this. We all come in it by grace. And so because grace has been extended to you, you should be extending grace. You should be extending grace for people's shortcomings and people's mistakes and people's stuff. God gave that grace to us freely. He gave us that grace in Christ, the one he loves. So you think, see, this is, this is the purpose of, main purpose of the church is to host the presence of God. And then we encounter him together. You know, the purpose of the church is not just to put on programs and to put on, uh, uh, you know, cute things and implement systems and, and, and do all of that. Although, you know, we do that stuff, but that's not the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to host the presence of God. I'm going to say this again. I've said it every week since I started this series. Israel camped around the presence of God. The tabernacle was built around the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Say amen. amen. When, that, when God told them that, that they were to follow him, the whole idea was that when the cloud moved, they were to move. And when the fire moved, whether it, whether it was day or night, cloud by day, fire by night, they were, they were to move and stay with the presence of God. I fear that as a church we have, and I'm talking about the big C church, that we have, we have created a program and a system of church, much of which doesn't even require God. You know, if you look at the book of Acts, 95% of the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit at work in the church. The church would not have functioned. There would not even been a book of Acts had it not been for the Holy Spirit working through the church, how come it is today 95% of what we do, we can do without God? It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I've done a lot of things without God. I've preached a lot of messages where I didn't, I didn't lean on God. Tur- turn that off. I'm done. So I'm going to obey God right now. So I started this about four weeks ago. and God began just to minister to me about this whole idea of, that, that I am hosting the presence of God. And I asked myself this question, how good a host have I been? How much have I walked in? fully yielded and fully obedient, how much of it's been me and how much of it has been God. Next month will represent the end of seven years that I've been here as the senior pastor of this church. It's been a, quite a challenge, it's been quite a journey There's a lot of aspects I I could tell you. Spend hours about miracles of how God showed up. Because when I stepped into this, I wasn't even sure what the future was for this church or for me, or whether I should even step into this, or what just what what was what. And I I felt the assurance that God was. In it, and that God was leading, and God had put this together, and God had ordained and called me to to come in. And I, and those of you, there's not many of you that were are here that were here at the beginning, but you remember there were there were moments we had in moments where it just looked like things in in all of the disrepair and and chaos and confusion, then God would show up and give some direction and we would take the next step. And when we came into this place, the, there was many things that were uh, amiss. I'm just being honest, I'm not, gonna, I'm not here to criticize or point back, I'm just telling you there was a lot of things that were just out of order. And then I took the task, the daunting task of trying to set this thing in order. But how many of you know that you have to be careful, you have to be really careful how you set your hand to the work of God. Remember when God had put it in the heart of David to move the ark, because it was in David's heart that the presence, the ark of God should be in Jerusalem, because that's what the divine order was. And you see, it's always been my heart to pastor a church that was in order. I'm for the full free moving of the Holy Spirit, I'm for the full complete surrender that, that when you come to church, it should be an adventure. But you should also know that because the Spirit of the Lord is not confused that God is a God of order and that that everything God, when when Lucretia gave that word this morning, you could just sense God was in it. When we worship God, you can just sense the presence of God. Our worship team is faithful to each week, weekend, whether they got everybody or just a handful. They, they, their heart is to bring us into the presence of God because we we're seeking God, we're seeking divine order and David's heart was to, to bring the ark back because they had lost the ark due to their sin they had lost the ark due to disobedience listen to me folks the presence of god is a precious thing but you have to steward it right because you can grieve the spirit of god and he will he listen he is not he is he is not out to 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 run but there's just certain things he will not get in he's not going to join with you in your sin He is not going to accompany with you in your rebellion. He is not going to stand with you in your pride. David, in his zeal to get the Ark of God, listen to me, in his zeal to get the Ark of God back to Jerusalem, he he decided he would he would just come up with a plan. And his plan was to, he built this brand new cart. It was a nice cart. Knowing David, I mean, David was a man of, uh, uh, he loved God, he was extravagant. I'm sure it wasn't just thrown together. I'm sure it was even ornate because he knew the ark of God was going to rest on it. The ark that represented the glory of God, the presence of God. It was the ark that they had lost when they thought if they took that out into battle with them, that just because they took the ark and they forgot that the ark just was a representation, but when when you shift your faith to the representation and not the reality, things get jacked up and they took it out and the Philistines captured the ark. Remember that? You know that story? When they took the ark, they, they put it in the house of Dagon. Here's, the, here's what's cool is when you put the presence of God around devils, devils started falling. Strongholds started coming down. The Philistines like, get this thing out of here. Yeah. Yeah. That's how people who have a bad spirit, they, they don't want the presence of God. Get this thing out of here. This is making me uncomfortable. I'm like, God, come make us uncomfortable. God, if we ever needed to be uncomfortable, it's now. Yeah. 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 David finds the ark at the house of Obedidim. Remember this? Obadiah was a good man. He took the ark in, man, and, he, and he, all of a sudden, everything Obadiah did God, was getting blessed. Everything he put his hand to, like he was getting 100 bushels an acre, now he's getting 200 bushels an acre, because that's how the presence of God is. Many of us are trying to work formulas and work things to get God to do something for us when all you really need to do is live in the presence, and when the, where the presence of God is is his favor, and where the favor of God is, you don't have to worry about how to work a blessing because God's presence will always bring his provision. Amen. But if you seek provision without the presence, you can get the thing and miss the purpose of the thing. This is really good preaching. So they bring it to the house of Obadiah. David's like, Obadiah, man, I need to get that ark to Jerusalem. He says, Come and get it, man. It's all yours. Get it, get it. He builds the ark. They put it on the ark, or they put it on the the cart. They put it on the cart. And they start bringing it to Jerusalem. I mean, David made a big deal out of it, too. They were like sacrificing every 10 steps, singing, dancing, shouting. Woo, praise God. The ark's on the way to Jerusalem. All of a sudden, the ark hits a bumpy road. And I want to guarantee you something. Wherever God's presence is, you can be sure the devil's going to try to throw some bumps in your way. And when the ark got into this bumpy part of the road, it began to shake and it began to tilt and it looked like it was going to fall. And Uriah put his hand out and he touched the ark and he died instantly. And the party was over and the singing stopped and the sacrifices ended and David went into depression and he said, God, why have you done this? Why have you brought this God told David, showed David, David, if, if you want my presence, you got to walk in my word. You got to walk in obedience to my word. See, David, where did David get the idea of building a new cart? He got that idea from the Philistines, because that's how they moved it. Although he made his ark holy. David made his, but, but see, when David, a man of God came to David and said, David, I got a little inside information for you. What's that? God gives instructions on how to move this ark. Did you know that? It's in his word. It's in the law. It's in the Torah. David says, what is that? What is that? What is it? He said, um, the ark has four rings, one on each corner. You're supposed to slide a pole through that and the ark is supposed to be carried on the shoulders of four Levitical priests. That's how the ark is supposed to be moved. David repented, a man had lost his life. Reproach was brought on him and on the the nation. It seemed like such a little thing doesn't it, doesn't it seem like a little thing to you that God would be worried about how the ark was carried? But can I tell you something? God cares about how we do things, not just what we do. Let me say that again. God cares how we do things as much, if not more importantly, than what we do. They carried the ark successfully into the temporary place until that David built in Jerusalem until Solomon would build the temple and they would move that ark. And, and what a celebration, what a temple. I told you all that to tell you this. I didn't plan on saying any of this, I honestly. So my purpose was to Put order in this place, and to, my heart has always been for the presence of god I'm a, I''m a even when i didn't even understand the fullness of it, I put it on the sign out there that we were going to be a presence driven church that costs you some things sometimes because not everybody's looking for the presence they're looking for a just a plan or a program, and they're not looking for walking in a sensitive area like this where you just have to depend on the Holy Spirit we like things laid out for us and we like things spelled out for us and we like things that are really neat and really together because that's how God works really you show me you show me how God laid everything out when Israel was crossing the Red Sea he just give them a command, get up, get over, Abraham, get up, get out, go preach the gospel. You know why God didn't give tons of instructions? The whole idea is he wants us to be dependent on him. You, you have to be dependent on him. And so in seven years and trying to do that, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you, this thing has been shaky. And there's been many times that I have put my hand to it. And after all that that was my job here is to get the ark to Jerusalem. And this last year's been a tough year especially for me. I mean in so many ways it's been so good. Don't listen to me. This is the greatest group of people in seven years ever assembled in this place. But in seven years, this thing's had its moments. It's shaky. I've taken some hits personally. My heart got affected by some of it. Last year, with all the great things that have been going on, I'm just being honest because I just pray God help them to hear because this has nothing to do with any of you sitting here. I have been under such a spirit of depression. I know some of you find that hard to believe because week in, week out, I come up and I do my thing. I've counseled people. I've talked to people. I've worked with people. I've pressed through the pain. There are times I've sat in a seat and it felt like I was glued there and I couldn't move. And some of the things that have happened would just wash over me and some of the people and some of the, 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 the circumstances around that. And see, I took, I took so much of it personally. I took a lot of it into my heart. And so I started getting, this is how, this is what you do, right? When you get hurt, don't you get suspicious of people? Don't you get cautious with people? Don't you close the door and you say, "I'm not letting anybody in because I'm I I can't afford any more hits. I feel like I can't I can't do it." And so, in the last few weeks leading up to starting this series, I got to tell you, I was thinking seriously that i need it's time for me to retire it's just time for me to step away you know i could go down to florida i could go to vegas i could go a lot of places i could just slip away i can't i don't know how much more how many more hits how many more how many more of this i can take and then god reminded me a month ago began to remind me some of the promises and the prophetic words and the things that god had spoken over over my life god began to open these This series of, to me, I I don't know about you. I don't know what y'all have got out of it, but this has helped me. And I'm here, I'm only telling you this today because many pastors, we don't let people in. We don't let people really in. We're, We're really good at hiding things. Let me say that again. We're really good at hiding things. Let me tell you something about you, too. You're really good at hiding things. You're really good at it. You're good at it. You're good at it. You're good at it. 90-something 90, 90 percent of us in this room today have stuff hidden in the closet. I'm tired of being held by my fears and my own struggles. Yep. And you see, by saying this to you today, this has no more power over me. Yes. Yeah. Amen. That's right. You we should have been in the prayer room before we walked into this room this morning. What are you hiding? What are you carrying that you're not really willing to to get out? Because whatever whatever you're hiding is going to oppress you. Really, let me tell you what depression is. It's just the spirit of oppression. And here's the thing, church. So in the last month since I've started this, I found myself in a place of continual repentance. Repenting for the way I've done some things, repented for the way I handled some people, repented for how I mishandled people. Repenting before God for putting my flesh and myself in the middle of it. And thinking, well, maybe I'm being tricked here, Maybe maybe I'm being led down the wrong path here and And so on Thursday, if you have a Bible with you, this is, the, this, is, this is the message. Now that I got my introduction out of the way, I want you to turn it to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Come on, come on, come on, come on lightning fast so much for that wow really irritates me every time i open this app do you love the bible app yes i've been telling you 150 times (laughs) (sighs) oh jesus hebrews chapter 6 I'm reading this. I think it's, this is the uh, Amplified. So we should be finished with the beginning lessons about Christ. So we let's notice it says we should be. We should not have to keep going back to where we started. But let me ask you, how many of you find yourself keep going back? I, I've been finding myself going back. He didn't say... We don't go back. He said, we just shouldn't have to. Why? Listen to this. We began our new life by turning away from the evil we did in the past and by believing in God. And what this turning away is, this is, in in the King James, this is repentance. It's the word repentance. It's the word repentance. How did we begin our new life? By turning away. Here's the negative. We turn away from the evil, all of our past, everything that we've we've been involved in, we just have to we have to repent and and, and this, this is not one of those sinners you know like repent or, or die that repentance simply means this church, it means you've got to think differently. so all the stuff that i've been thinking that's brought oppression and negativity and de- depression and, and, and angst and anxiety, what I need is to think differently. I need to repent because in the, in the one side of this, I have to let go. I have to turn away from the evil we did in the past and by believing in God. So re- listen to me. Repentance isn't repentance just because you turned away from something. What is, what is the real goal of repentance? To turn toward God. The real goal of repentance is to turn toward God. Let me say it again, the real goal of repentance is in turning away from your sin. What are you turning toward? I know a lot of people who are sorry for the past, but they're not willing to turn toward God. I know people who are sorry they got caught, but they're not willing to turn toward God and get free. So we begin our new life by turning away from the evil and by turning toward God, believing, by believing God. So I want you to go now to Acts chapter three. So right before, before I left, I was preaching on a Monday night in Westville. While I was ministering, God brought this verse to me, and and like normal, I thought, well, okay, well, I'm going to share this with them. Obviously, you're giving this for them, and Acts 3, Acts 3, verse 19, thank you. I'm going to read this from the King James, or the New King James repent therefore and be converted repent therefore and be converted repent therefore and be converted think differently and be changed that's what he's saying think differently and be changed think differently and be changed think differently and be changed changed. see the whole goal of this the whole goal of coming into the presence of God is so that God will show us the areas where we're not thinking correctly. And when we get in the presence of God, we repent, we think differently, and we walk out, and, and we walk out change. We walk out, I don't, I don't know how many of us come to church week in, week out, and we think the purpose is just to show up. But the real purpose of being here is so that we can show up into the presence of God. God can show us where we're messed up in our thinking, where it's keeping us from the fullness of his manifestation. And when we think differently, he says you'll be changed, and that word converted. That word converted means everything is operating according to the rhythm and the purpose and the plan of God. You know, a few years ago, I, I was teaching here on a Wednesday night, and when I got done I walked, I, I, I walked out to the car, drove home, I walked into the house, and when I got to, into the door, I was breathing so heavy, my heart felt like it was going to jump out of my chest. Terry took one look at me and she said, get in the car, we're going to the emergency room. I got to the emergency room, my heart rate was at 200. I, was, I felt like I had just run a marathon. All I had done was stand up and teach. When I got, they ran me through as the quickest I've ever been through any emergency room because they thought I was in the process of having a heart attack. Because you see, when your heart, listen to me, if you don't get your heart right, if you don't keep your heart right, your heart, your heart will kill you. heart doctor comes in and says you got what's that diagnosis? AFib. It's like a $5 word. Atrial defibrillation. Fibrillation. That's what I said. There's the <laughs> medical expert. My heart while I was just in the emergency room it would go from 100 to over 200. There was times it hit 220. The doctor said here's what's happening Mike the bottom part of your heart is beating really fast and the upper part is beating normal and there's, it's sloshing all that blood around. And the danger here is that you'll throw a clot. And if you throw a clot, you could die. And we're gonna admit you into the hospital. And we have to get, listen, we have to get your heart in rhythm. I said, how do you do that? He says, we need to convert your heart. You gotta get it all, you gotta get your heart together. Proverbs 4, 23, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Every issue you've ever had has been a heart issue. And I know you think it's somebody else's problem but really, you gotta look at your own heart. Some of us are sitting here we have things lodged in our heart bitterness is unforgiveness i'm preaching this message repent and be converted man i'm going for it i'm telling them guys how bad they need to turn to jesus and then the holy spirit spoke to me and that still small voice and said mike When are you going to turn to me? And I'm like, but Lord, what are you talking about? And immediately, the Lord reminded me. He said, you remember when Peter stood right in before me and said, I'm ready to die with you? And I said, Peter, before this night is over, you're even going to deny that you knew me. But, this is in Luke, this is, I really like how Luke tells the story better, in my opinion. Luke says this, he says, Peter, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you. I look up that word sifted, it means to separate by Agitation. Isn't that what you do when you sift something? You toss it and 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 you're trying to jar the, the hard husk from the outside of the wheat where it falls away and the fruit or the real the real seed comes down and and and, and so what listen Satan is out to get us. And he does it by agitation. And I tell you. I could see immediately just all that all that I've been tossed, all I've been, and how I took into myself. You see, here's here's the good news. He said, Satan hath desired that he may have you, but I have but but I have prayed for you. And when you are converted, Peter, you don't even know your own heart. Can I submit to you and I this morning? that many of us don't even know our own heart. But when you are converted, you know what the doctor told me when I was in the hospital, I said, doctor, how are you going to convert my heart? He said, well, there's several different methods. I said, would you let me in on it? He said, well, one thing we do is we take those paddles you see on TV, we give you a mild sedation, and then we shock the heck out of you. And hopefully the electrical current will set your heart back into rhythm. Yeah. Or he said, we open up with some uh, arthroscopic kind of surgery and we scar certain walls of the heart to circumvent those electrical impulses. And I'm thinking, what? Yeah. And he said, when we cut, it's like they cut the wire supply. I'm like, that sounds Sick. I said, would you give me some time to let my heart get converted without all that stuff? He said, you got till tomorrow. I I slept very unrestfully for the night. Woke up the next morning. I could still, I asked the nurse, they had me on all wired up. I said, how's this thing look? She said, no change. She left the room and I Looking up and I'm saying, God, I need you to touch my heart. God, I need you to touch my heart. You know I'm a you know I'm a coward. Please don't let them do none of this stuff to me. And I prayed and went through lunch, and in the afternoon the nurse came in and she said, I need you to get up. I'm like, get up. I wasn't feeling like getting up. By then I was in a full-blown pity party, thinking about, oh, my God, what are they going to do to me? This is the big one, Terry, I love you, take good care of my dog, and please don't sell my guitars. I went for a walk. I took a lap around. I took my nose in the nurse's station. She was at the desk where she was reading the monitors. I had one of those wireless monitors on. I said, Any change? She goes, Nope. I said, Would you give me one more lap? Because I know what's coming after this. Would you just give me one more lap? I thought about Samson, you know, if you just give, Lord, just one more time. Just one more time. She said, okay, one more lap. I left the nurse's station, got around to the other side, back corner of the big loop that this wing was on. All of a sudden, I heard the nurse yell, Hallelujah! (laughs) I ran around. I go, What's up? She goes, Your heart just came right back into rhythm. Listen to me, you know what happened? My heart got converted. Can I just tell you something here this morning? Some of you need to take one more lap. You need to take one more lap. You need to take one more lap. Because that stuff that's in your heart, God needs needs to get you converted. He needs to get you healed. So let me read this to you. Acts 3.19, repent and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And here's the best part of that verse. You know what's coming? That you'll be able to receive when those times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. You know why God's showing up here, church? Church? Because he's he's trying to refresh us and deal with our junk. So can I just tell you something? There's only two places you can be right now. You're either in a state of repentance, and you're experiencing the presence of the Lord, or you need to be. Or you need to be. So I've been in this place for like this month. So let me tell you, in the last 48 hours, the last 48 hours, while I'm looking like, God, thank you for your promises. Thank you for the manifestation. I've asked you to manifest yourself. I've been going on that all week. So in the last 48 hours, God has brought four people, four people across my path that I have had serious issues with. Why do you reckon God would do such a thing? Because God's all about freedom. It's really interesting when you're saying, Jesus, I need you, and all of a sudden, one of your enemies show up. Jesus, this isn't what I asked for. (laughs) No, but this is what I'm bringing to you because you defeat this and you get the next level of my presence. So what do you need to defeat? I'm telling you, it's been an interesting 48 hours. I hope I have, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope. Y'all don't get to go away from this saying, my God, this church is depressing him. This is not the church. This is my struggle with me, and I'll tell you something right now, I just want to put some other fears to rest before I move on and give the altar call. I'm not going to retire, I'm going to re-fire. I believe it's time for a refiring not a retiring i believe it's time to go back and i'm going to take back everything the enemy has tried to steal i'm going to take everything and i'm going to stand on every promise god has made we have some wonderful people here who are going out and living this and walking this and watching god do amazing things and we are not going to stop